Inside Westminster, Chapter 251, Bull and Bluster. The trial of the century was drawing to a close. Anushka's Blackwell's downfall would be complete when her sentencing hearing would most probably condemn her to die behind bars. And her accusers would be given the opportunity to give their impact statements so the world would be truly would be able to truly understand what monstrous acts Anushka, Anushka had committed in the name of love slash subservience slash obsession. She'd refused to be the star witness in the whole sordid trial as, in her mind, the case against her had not been proven beyond reasonable doubt. So as far as she was concerned, she was still innocent. The only light for her in the whole ghastly proceedings had been seeing four of her siblings who'd gathered from various corners of the globe and had been seated as close to her as possible throughout the whole terrible ordeal. Just being allowed to hug them all had been a joy she'd never fully appreciated when she'd been enthralled to Gregory Upstein, the monster whose orbit she'd fallen into decades ago and who'd been the reason for the sorry mess that her life had become. To her lawyers, she'd tried to portray herself as an equal victim as those girls whose lives she'd wrecked, accusing Greggs of everything, from starving her to beating her. It had been all his faults. I'd... I've been coerced, manipulated, abused too, she'd said. But when, but then, when the financial whiz kids had dug into her monetary affairs and discovered that she'd received $30 million over the course of their relationship, she'd been forced to change her tune to one of being a naive fool, which she most certainly wasn't, who'd been sadly duped into organising Gregory's life. He was so helpless, like a kitten, really was how Anushka had described her former co-conspirator, adding, and anyway, everyone got a massage. It was what was expected. Cripes, the idea of at least two former US presidents purring under the caresses of a 14-year-old's hands didn't bear thought. Back in the heart of this great nation, another ex-member of the upper echelons of power was was supposed to be quaking in his boots. Prince Marcus, arrogant as ever, was holding forth about his innocence to his ex-wife, Carla Fitzalan Hume, the only person who actually believed his protestations. But I was at that pizza restaurant in Woking. Remember, it was Josephine's birthday bash, he pleaded. Yes, yes, my dearest man, Fitzy had replied. I do remember, as Josephine had been thrilled to have been allowed to to go to such a popular restaurant, I wasn't there, if you remember, but the girls can vouch for you. The prince winced, as the last thing he'd wanted, or indeed intended, with that god-awful interview, in which that ghastly woman interviewer had managed to make him say all sorts of weird things, was to implicate or involve his sweet, innocent girls. In spite of everything, they'd both managed to nab seemingly half-decent husbands, for which he had to be more than grateful, or at least his two precious daughters would as at least his two precious daughters would be sheltered from the scandal and any punitive actions taken by his beastly old brother. And Josephine, at least, would have a title, even if it was Italian, no matter what punishment was decided. But the shame of it, his name soon to be dragged through the American courts, it was all too much to bear. Every night since he could remember, he'd shot a pleading prayer heavenwards. Please, please, dear Lord, make this go away. 
Make it disappear and let me live the life I enjoyed before. To no avail. His prayer went unanswered and the sword of justice seemed to be scything ever closer to his precious neck. The prince was also mightily fed up with media interest, some outlets of which had taken to calling him plain Andrew, the cheek of it. He'd also been attacked by some random member of the public who'd hurled herself at his Range Rover driver's door, thrashing her fists on the window and nearly forcing him off the highway. All caught on camera, somehow, and thus another sordid little sensation for the tabloids. His lawyers had been working day and night to get the case against Prince Marcus thrown out on a technicality, but the judge in charge seemed to be having none of it. And then, out of the blue, another girl came forward to corroborate what his accuser had been saying, that she'd been trafficked to have sex with the prince, not once, but three times. Storm clouds were certainly gathering as he waited for the judge's pronouncement as to the legality of his accuser's claim. And even the prospect of paying her off, which had been like a comfort blanket at the back of his mind, seemed to be disappearing like mist vaporising with the morning sun. (laughs) 